Welcome to the CMS Real Deal podcast, where we take a step back from the legal nitty-gritty and provide insight into issues affecting the property industry. I am Danny Drummond-Bressington, and today I am joined by Chris Watson, partner and global head of our tech, media and communications team, and Nick Wood, a partner in the real estate disputes team. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. Thank you very much, Danny. So Nick and Chris are joining me today to discuss the new telecommunications code that is anticipated to come into force before the end of 2017. It's going to replace the current one and is described by the government as a robust platform to enable long-term investment and development of digital communications infrastructure in the 21st century and marking a step change in the regulatory environment in which telecoms telecoms companies operate. So whilst telecoms operators may be welcoming the new code, I think it's fair to say that the real estate world has given it some bad press. So I'm going to start with you, Chris. Why do we need a new telecommunications code? There are a variety of signs of failure of the old code. One was that uh, from a user's point of view, and by user I mean either, either party to any arrangement which might have been caught by the code, it was actually very rarely used. People had an idea of what the words were on the paper, but how it worked in practice wasn't clear. People rarely had recourse to it. There were remarkably few decided cases on its application, mm-hmm. and you could just see that the, the track record of use of it meant that it was a defective instrument from the start. So 30 years is quite a long time to put that right. And what about from the real estate point of view? Do you think we needed a new code? Well, picking up what Chris said, um, there weren't many cases in which the code had been looked at, but certainly one uh, one member of the judiciary said it was probably the worst piece of drafting on our statute book. So I think one area that's a a big positive for me, Danny, is that there is definitely clarity or increased clarity in the new code, and I think that's certainly welcome. So do you think we'll get some cases out of this one, or do you think it'll be stalemate again? I think there are two areas for me where there is the possibility for disputes, and I think there's some interesting market commentary around both. Um, so first, Danny, the far-reaching powers that operators now have in relation to assignment, and in particular upgrading and sharing of apparatus, um, that's a really interesting area for me, and I think from a site provider perspective, um, that's of concern, and I could see some some disputes arising around that. And the second is something which has had a great deal of press, which is the the new no scheme valuation approach to rent and how that's going to work in practice. So I think clarity on the one hand, but certainly um, is it crystal clear all the way? Not sure. And what about you, Chris? One of the big one of the many disadvantages of the old code was that um, because it was so poor, uh, poorly drafted and inadequately interpreted, people tended to contract out of it and an abuse be- uh, grew up through which people would systematically contract out of it. And because it was so poorly drafted, people felt that was an adequate and suitable way around it. The new code contains prohibitions, prohibitions on contracting out. And I think that is going to mean it's going to be used. So if you're saying, are we going to get case law? I think because people have to use it, there will be. And that will inevitably lead to more disputes and more and more agreements and more disputes. Nick picked up on a really good point about the sharing and upgrading that probably has unsettled a few site providers because that is a, a step change. Um, no longer do operators need to go back to site providers and say, can I share or I'd like to upgrade from 3G to 4G. Why is that such a, 
a need for the telecoms operators? Why do they need this? Landowners were relying on the provisions requiring their consent to changes in, in sharing and upgrading to extract um, monopoly or uh, value stream rents out of the services being carried out, which bore no direct relationship to the real estate asset being supplied or used. So they were effectively using it to take a revenue share from the service being delivered. And therefore, when you upgraded from 3G to 4G, in principle, the same telephone can consume the same service and the operators paid the same amount, but the landowner was extracting an extra rent, which is a barrier to economic and technical progress. So I've seen a lot about the government saying this switch to the no-scheme basis um, of, of compensation will lead to investment in the infrastructure, and that's really what this new code's about. Do you think it will? Or do you think it'll go to the bottom line? I'll put it the other way. I think that the old uh, arrangements prevented or inhibited many of those kinds of investments being made. People will now be able to make a greater uh, investments of greater confidence and therefore make greater investments because they'll have a reasonable degree of certainty as to what their costs are going to be and that as the you effectively future-proof your investment by saying it doesn't matter whether I do this or that or the other, whether I do 3G, 4G, 5G or WiMAX or whatever else it might be. I've paid the money it costs to install it, I've paid the money I need to pay to have access to it, I've paid the money to landowners so that it can operate over his land, and it doesn't. I therefore have freedom to determine how I am going to exploit my equipment, having regard to the developments in, in technology. Any other basis inhibits new technology, inhibits the growth and uptake of new technology. Do you think that's going to be reciprocated in the site provider um, side of things? Yeah. They've always been willing to accommodate equipment on roofs because there's an income stream. If that disappears or is perceived to disappear, where do you think um, it will be on the other side of the fence? I think this is a fascinating point, Danny. And actually, there's been some market commentary by one of the leading national um, valuation specialists for telecoms kit to say that actually already he is hearing reluctance in some sectors um, on the part of landowners or site providers to to offer up sites or, or, or to make those negotiations more difficult as a result of the fact that these income streams may well go down. And interestingly, I see DCMS in one of their papers um, uh, reporting on the consultation openly say that they are expecting rents to go down. Um, Deloitte have done some research which I found quite interesting. At the moment, as I understand it, um, in rural areas, sites are going at around about an average of 7,500 per annum, and in urban areas, 9,500. And the Deloitte research would suggest that uh, operators are now looking at around about 3,000 um, for sites. So that is a, that is a sea change. Um, and on your point, I, I do wonder how this is going to impact, how the market are going to react to this new no-scheme approach. And the only other thing I would say, which, and I welcome Chris's thoughts on this, but I do wonder whether a big national or international um, operator is going to fall out of bed with a, a major landowner over the issue of rent or compensation. Is, is actually the scheme going to take effect or is this something that's still going to be simply negotiated openly in the market? A lot of the big international operators effectively outsource the acquisition of their sites. They have agencies, um, third party operators, or even specialist um, real estate site assembly assemblers uh, who are independently owned who run this business. So 
a lot of those decisions are not necessarily taken at telecom operator level. They have reduced their capital employed and their OPEX by um, passing them down to people who do that. And certainly the, um, one of the reasons I think rents are, may appear to be going down is because there's a lot more sharing. And mast sharing is a very old thing. But if you have a single mast and you have four people using it, it's not obvious why you should have four rents off it rather than one, given that it's a mast and the um, damage to the landowner's interest is, is the same in all cases. So and, unless, and this principle of, of sort of use neutrality is reflected also in the wider principle of um, net neutrality, under which the attempts of the telcos to capture the value of the service provided over their network are being stymied by, by regulators and governments who say, no, you're not allowed to capture the rents of um, people providing Facebook or, or, or something like that. You're not allowed to capture eBay's or Facebook's income. You are simply a, uh, a pipe through which the service is carried. So if they are being squeezed at the top by not by through net neutrality and not being able to capture the revenues being derived from the service being provided, it's more or less inevitable that they will, they will need to squeeze at the bottom by saying, well, the landowners can't also capture a share of the revenue being provided either. Otherwise, we are being squeezed at both ends. Yeah, interesting. Oh, the interesting point that comes out of that to, for me is if, if it is being squeezed at the bottom and the site providers are going to be taking a hit, and if that's you, you, we're looking at a sort of two-thirds reduction there, do we see that there's going to be a lack of sites become available? The market will deliver on that. If there's a lack of sites, the price will go up. Interesting point. Yeah. We were talking about disputes um, earlier on, and one of the things that they're changing is the jurisdiction. Uh, it's coming from the courts into the tribunal, specialist tribunal. What are your thoughts on that? I, for me, it's a distinction without a difference. I, I'm not sure in real terms that... Um, landlord orientated disputes here and I know that the competition authority are going to deal with their own disputes um, in, in a separate jurisdiction but for me put simply I'm not sure it makes any difference. And Chris? I'd leave this to those who are familiar with special jurisdictions like the Land mm. Tribunal and others. I will just say though that um, the idea that the competition authority is going to deal with access disputes given the length of time and the evidence that they require you to assemble. Uh, the competition regime has always allowed monopolists to walk backwards slowly and I don't think that's going to change. <laughs> One of the big changes is in looking at the end of the agreements when if you want to terminate it for redevelopment purposes bring it to an end. We've gone from a, um, a structure whereby a notice is given, an operator has 21 days to respond and then normally an agreement is reached or worst case scenario you have to um, go to court that 21 day period is extending to 18 months so you have quite alarm on one side of site providers who are used to perhaps not thinking in 18 month terms talk me through why do operators need such a long lead-in period part of it is the difficulty of negotiating new sites under the existing code if, if the new code is an inadequate instrument, if the old code is an inadequate instrument which allowed people to delay, then if you are required to lift and shift, you need the time necessary to negotiate somewhere else to take your equipment, otherwise people are going to be cut off. And one of the really fundamental, primordial principles of communications law and regulation is you do not cut people off. Mm. It's, it is, you definitely see a sense of moving towards 
um, telecoms digital providers more akin to electricity water companies it's, it's a, an essential for daily life it's not a luxury anymore and I think that's the headset that we've all got to get into yes agreed do you think as technology changes and there is investment in infrastructure those leading times will be needed or will it become more flexible what, what's on the horizon you're absolutely right the technology does allow some of these things to be more flexible there's something called software defined networks for example where the way that the network operates is not fixed for all time when you build it. It's not like a gas main. So provided you've got um, some infrastructure, a network of infrastructure, then you can use software to define the most efficient way to use it. It's not sort of written in stone. Conversely, and running against that though, is the increasing demand for bandwidth, uh, particularly on a mobile level. And where the new frequencies that are being used for 5G, a lot of the 5G frequencies are very high and therefore you need a lot of masks close together. So some of the new technology is actually driving greater need, greater demand for sites. So while there may be concern about what we do with 2G and 3G sites, 3G is already pretty much redundant. 4 and 5G and WiMAX and small cells are the way things are going and that's going to create a lot more demand but for smaller sites. So, so the days of rooftop masts are not gone yet, Chris? No. Quite the contrary. <coughs> quite the contrary. But although we're seeing more things which are not quite rooftops, they're side of building, things looking like a biscuit tin on the side of a building. So perhaps not as obvious to the man walking down on the street? Yeah, or correct. Looking yeah, you may think, I wonder what that is, but that's all. Oh. And, and Nick, this 18-month lead-in period, how's that going to impact on the real estate side? For me, Danny, it's a double-edged sword, really. Um, on the one hand, going back to a point we raised earlier, that there is clarity around how the code is going to operate. First, we now know that the new code will, will not interact with the 1954 Act in the sense that either we will be dealing with the 1954 Act or the code. And I think from a, a landowner and a site provider's perspective, that's good. I think there's increased clarity around when and if the court will make a termination order. So although on the one hand 18 months is a long period of time, from a site provider's perspective they will know with certainty that if they make out one of the grounds, redevelopment being one, they will get an order and the kit will be removed. Um, and, and touching on something that Chris said, in my experience I've certainly seen in practice uh, under the old code, site providers seeking um, possession of, of land and actually the operators having to use the old code to buy themselves the time they need to find alternative sites and that can get quite difficult and quite messy so I think we've got a better system here in my view. Great. So I'm going to ask both of you the same question and it's if you had a magic wand and you could change one thing about the code what would it be? <laughs> Chris, <laughs> I'd go for apparatus. Um, I believe that Increasingly, what new technology is doing is uh, allowing existing infrastructure to be used more creatively and efficiently. And anything which makes it more difficult to move apparatus which is attached to the end of a, a fibre uh, is going to make that technological advance more difficult to implement and more expensive and slower. And so what I would really like to see is that the code gives more greater rights for operators to install their apparatus and connect it and to move it in and out relatively easily. The idea that you know, a wire is a wire is a wire, 
uh, is a 30, a 40 year old idea, or it's mm -hmm. a 140 year old idea. And what's, for example, uh, fibres put down 30 years ago are still operating and you can send far more data down than, than you thought. And with new technology, what actually happens is you can multiply that by 10 or 100 or 1,000. But if um, there is a, a challenge getting new equipment and its power supplies onto the land, then you very greatly reduce the value of the right you have to put your uh, system onto land if you, if you can put in the fibre but not the equipment you need to drive it. So do you think we need to be designing buildings differently and factoring this in right at the start, at the build stage, so that there are special conduits going right up the building that allow all of this? I think landowners could make their sites a lot more attractive to tenants by having plug-and-play systems for installing the latest technology on a regular basis. And Nick, same question to you. I gave you a magic wand. I'm going to be a little bit bold here, Danny, and I, th I think it's it's clear that we've got to try and strike a balance between the need for us to to develop um, market leading, world leading communication systems in this country. I think we all understand that, but um, and the access point that we've discussed here in terms of making sure that operators can get onto sites is is clearly crucial. But I do just wonder whether we've got this no-scheme valuation approach right. Um, I'm not going to delve into the wording of the statute, but for me, it, it's it's not clear. I don't think how that's really going to operate. And, and I see, and I'm going to say this now, I see in the next 18 months there will be a case on, on valuation under the new code. Um, I, I, and I, and I, I think there's, there's more to explore there. Thank you. Thank you both for a really interesting discussion on the telecoms code. So. At the time of recording this, we don't have a fixed date for it coming into force. The rumour is by the end of the year. So we will be keeping you up to date. Subscribe to our award-winning Law Now service where we will be updating as this code comes into force. Thank you both. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Danny.